Section 31 of Junior Classics, Volume 4, Heroes and Heroines of Chivalry. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Junior Classics, Volume 4, Heroes and Heroines of Chivalry by William Patton. Tales from Early English Chronicles, Part 9. Havelock Wins Back His Kingdom. Retold by F. J. H. Darton. When they were married, Havelock knew not what to do. He had no home whereto he might take Goldborough. Godrich had such hatred for Athelwold's daughter that he would do not to aid them, and Havelock was in sore straits till he bethought himself of Grimsby. Straightway he took Goldborough to Grimsby. But Grim himself was dead. Nevertheless his sons welcomed Havelock gladly. "'Welcome, dear lord, and welcome to your fair lady,' they said. "'We have here horses and nets and ships,' gold and silver, and much else that Grim our father bequeathed. But he bade us give them to you. Take them, dear lord. They are all yours. You shall be our lord, and we shall be your servants in all things. So Havelock came back to Grimsby. But on the night of his coming, Goldborough was sad and sorrowful as she lay beside him, and she could not sleep. Her wakeful eyes fell on Havelock, and she was aware suddenly of a wondrous sight. A bright light, clear and flaming, issued from his mouth, and lit up all the chamber. "'What may this mean?' she said to herself in sore dread. "'Does it show me that some high fortune shall come upon Havelock?' She looked again and saw a new wonder. On Havelock's shoulder a king's mark shone, a noble cross of red gold, and as she looked an angel's voice spoke to her. "'Goldborough, let your sorrow be. Havelock, your husband, is a king's son and a king's heir.' The golden cross signifies that he shall possess all Denmark and England, and shall be king of both realms. When she heard the angel's voice, Goldborough could not contain her joy, but turned and kissed Havelock as he slept. Havelock had not heard the angel, but he started out of his sleep at Goldborough's kiss. "'Dear lady, are you awake?' he said. "'A strange dream have I just dreamed. I thought I was in Denmark, on the highest hill that ever I came to. It was so high that I could see, it seemed, all the world spread out.' As I sat there I began to possess Denmark, with all its towns and strong castles, and my arms were so long that I surrounded in one grasp all Denmark, and drew it towards me till every man therein cleaved to me. Another dream I dreamed also, that I flew over the salt sea to England, and with me went all the folk of Denmark. When I came to England I took it all into my hand, and Goldborough I gave it to you. Dear wife, what may this be? May these dreams turn to joy, Havelock, as I deem they will, answered Goldborough. I say to you that you shall wear the crown of England in time to come, and Denmark shall kneel at your feet. Within a year this shall come to pass. Let us two go to Denmark speedily, and do you pray Grimm's sons that they go with you all three. On the morrow Havelock went to church and besought aid of God. Then he betook himself to Grimm's three sons, Robert and William and Hugh. Listen now to me, he said, and I will tell you a thing concerning myself. My father was king of the Danish land, and I should have been his heir, but a wicked man seized the kingdom when my father died, and slew my two sisters, and gave me to Grim to drown, but Grim spared me and brought me hither, as you know. Now I am come to an age where I can wield weapons and deal stout blows, and never will I take comfort till I see Denmark again. I pray you come thither with me. I will reward you well, and will give each of you ten castles, with the lands and towns and woods that belong thereto. We will follow you whithersoever you bid us, Havelock, they answered, and we will, if it please God, 
win back your kingdom for you. Havelock gave them due thanks, and began straightway to prepare all things for his going to Denmark. Soon he had made ready, and they set sail. Their voyage prospered, and they landed safely in Denmark, in the dominions of one Ubi, a rich earl, who had been a friend of King Birkabane, Havelock's father. When Havelock heard who was lord of that part of Denmark, he was glad, and set out to go to Ubi's castle in good hope. He dared not yet to say that he was Birkabane's son, for if Earl Goddard heard of it, he would come against him and slay him before he could win any followers. But he went to Ubi, and spoke him fair and courteously, and gave him a gold ring, and asked leave to settle in that land to be a merchant. And Ubi, seeing how strong and comely Havelock was, gladly gave him leave, and thereafter bade him to a great feast. Havelock went to the feast, and Goldborough with him, and Grimm's sons also, and Ubi grew to love him so well that when the feast was ended, he sent him with ten knights and sixty men-at-arms to the magistrate of those parts, Bernard Brunn, a man of might and substance. Bernard was a trusty man, and entertained Havelock and Goldborough and all their company well. But as they sat at meat, there came tidings that a band of sixty thieves, all armed and fierce, was at the gate, demanding entrance. At that news Bernard started up and took a good axe in his hand, and went to the gate, and Havelock followed him. "'What do you hear, rascals?' cried Bernard. "'If I open the door to you, some of you will rue it.' "'What say you?' answered one of the thieves. "'Think you that we are afraid of you. "'We shall enter by this gate for all that you can do.' Thereupon he seized a great boulder, and cast it mightily against the gate, and broke in. Havelock saw what befell, and went to the gate. He drew therefrom the great crossbar, and threw the gate wide open. I abide here, he cried. Flee, you dogs. Nay, quoth one, you shall pay for waiting. And he came running at Havelock, and the two others close behind with him. But Havelock lifted up the door-beam, and at one blow slew all three. Then he turned upon the others, and in a moment overthrew four more. But a host of them beset him with swords, and all his skill could not prevent them from wounding him. Full twenty wounds had he from crown to toe. But he began so to mow with a beam that the robbers soon felt how hard he could smite. There was none who could escape him, and in a little while he had felled twenty of them. Then a great din began to arise, for the rest of the thieves set upon Havelock and Bernard with all their might. But Hugh and his brothers heard the noise, and came running with many other men, and before long there was not one of the thieves left alive. On the morrow tidings came to Ubi that Havelock had slain with a club more than a score of stout rogues. He went down to Bernard and asked him what had come to pass, and Bernard, sore wounded from the fight, showed him his wounds and told him how sixty robbers had attacked his house, and how Havelock had slain great plenty of them. But Havelock also, he said, was grievously wounded. Others also of Bernard's men told the like true tale, and Ubi sent for Havelock, and when he had seen his wounds, called for a skilful leech, and took Havelock into his house and cared for him. The first night that Havelock lay in Ubi's house, Ubi slept nigh him in a great chamber, with places boarded off for each man. About midnight he awoke, and saw a great light in the place where Havelock lay, as bright as if it were day. What may this be, he thought? I will go myself and see. Perchance Havelock secretly holds revel with his friends, and has lit many lights. I vow he shall do no such sottishness in my castle. He 
He stood up and peeped in between the boards that shut Havelock from him. He saw him sleeping fast, as still as any stone, and he was aware of a great light coming as it were from Havelock's mouth. He was aghast at that sight, and called secretly to his knights and sergeants and men-at-arms, and more than five score of them, and bade them come and see the strange light. And the light continued to issue from Havelock's mouth, and to grow in strength till it was as bright as two hundred wax candles. Havelock's right shoulder was towards Ubi and his men. Suddenly, as they looked at the light, they saw the king's mark on the shoulder, a bright cross, brighter than gold, sparkling like a carbuncle stone. The newbie knew that Havelock was a king's son, and he guessed that he must be Berkabane's son, the rightful king. When Havelock awoke, he fell at his feet and did obeisance, he and all his men. Dear Lord, he said, I know you to be Berkabane's son. You shall be king of Denmark. Right soon shall every lord and baron come and do you homage. Then was Havelock glad and blithe, and gave thanks to God for his goodness. Before long Ubi dubbed Havelock knight, and as soon as he was knighted, all the barons and lords of those parts came to him and swore fealty, and Annan they crowned him king of Denmark, and set themselves in array to attack the false Earl Goddard. But Goddard's knights, being weary of his rule, had all gone over to Havelock, and Grim's son Robert sufficed to meet him in combat. Robert wounded him in the right arm, and they bound him and brought him before Havelock. Sorry now was Goddard's lot. All his greatness was gone from him. He came before Havelock and his nobles, and they gave sentence upon him, that he should be flayed alive and then hanged. And so he came to his end, in great misery and torment. When Godrich in England heard that Havelock was king of all Denmark, and proposed, for Havelock had given out that this was his intent, to come to England and set Goldborough on her throne, he set to work to gather a great host to meet Havelock when he should come, and he spread lying tales to make the English hate and fear Havelock, saying that he would burn and destroy and oppress them, and by these means he got together many and led them to Grimsby. Hannon came Havelock and his men, and landed at Grimsby, and they fought a great battle. All that day Havelock's men fought with Godrich's men, and on the morrow they fought again, and Godrich came face to face with Havelock himself. Godrich, Havelock cried, you have taken Athelwold's kingdom for yourself. I claim it for his daughter Goldborough. Yield it up, and I will forgive you, for you are a doughty knight. Never will I yield, answered Godrich. I will slay you here. He gripped his sword, and smote at Havelock, and clove his shield in twain. But Havelock drew his own good sword, and with one blow felled him to the earth. Yet Godrich started up again, and dealt him such a stroke on the shoulder that his armor was broken, and the blade bit into the flesh. Then Havelock heaved up his sword in turn, and struck fiercely, and shore off Godrich's hand so that he could smite no more, but yielded as best he might. They seized Godrich and fettered him, and all the English took the oath of fealty to Goldborough, and swore to be her men. Then they passed judgment on Godrich, and sentenced him to be burnt to death. So Havelock and Goldborough came again into their kingdoms, and Havelock rewarded Grimm's sons and made them barons. Havelock was crowned king of England as well as of Denmark, and full sixty winters did he reign with Goldborough, in great joy and prosperity. End of section 31